know we all told you to sit down, but um, we're trying to burn some calories off you all, uh, so we'll ask you to stand. No, honestly, we, it's a tradition that when you are in the presence of a king, especially when one is talking, that you stand. So brothers and sisters, the good news according to John. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead and on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And then when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and he was taken up into heaven. And then they worshipped him and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. I know I told you that I had to turn your cell phones off, but I'm going to just keep a timer on mine. It's for your protection. Uh, once this gets to 55 minutes, I promise I'll stop, okay? Keep going. All right. So, Ascension Day. It's not um, something that is, is often celebrated because it's, it's always on a Thursday and most of us are working. So, Resurrection Sunday is a Sunday, obviously. That's not rocket science. 40 days from a Sunday is always a Thursday. And so, it's one of those really important moments that often gets missed. So, you're allowed to roll it over to this, this Sunday, the last Sunday in Easter. Um, and uh, it's one of the three, three what we call the principal feasts uh, in, in uh, traditional churches. These are days that the clergy are not allowed to take off. Uh, there are three of them, right? Uh, I am not allowed to get sick on Easter or Christmas or Ascension Day. There's something that's really important about Thursday, but we'll call it today. Why? Because this, this uh, ascension of Jesus into heaven marks an incredible transition. What is that transition, I hear you ask? Well, he's not here. Let's have a look at the... He rises from the dead, and then he spends 40 more days on the planet. And then, when he ascends, it's time for the church to go do its thing. It's time for the people of God to go out and share the good news. It's time for us to take the message 
and say, we are witnesses of this event. It's an incredible transition. So it was a day that they marked in their calendars. And uh, it, it first appears, I mean, the early church celebrated it. But it actually becomes an official day uh, in the fourth century. Why? I hear you ask. Uh, it's because we, Christianity finally became legal. <laughs> and we were actually allowed to have a calendar that was public. So it became a, a public festival. And um, uh, there are some very old traditional hymns and songs and Bible readings that you can all look up if, uh, if you'd like. But it has been celebrated since the 300s. And if you have a look at the texts that uh, we were assigned for this day, they raise lots of questions. Which, uh, and what's a, what's a good classic one? Where's heaven? Because um, every time... Now, for those that know me, okay, I always like visual aids. I always like bringing uh, some sort of picture or some sort of... Particularly an icon. Um, my I've spent 25 years in Jerusalem and I've learned to appreciate that when you worship God, you worship God with all of your senses. Not just your ears, not just your mouth, but also with your eyes okay, and your smell, just like they did in, in, the, in the temple. So you look at, a, at an image of the, of the ascension and Jesus is always going up. And we often then in our brains have this tradition, because we don't really have any other way of, of describing it, uh, hell's down and heaven's up. But of course, once you put satellites into space and start looking up, we discover that up is a really long way. You know, and could you imagine Jesus like taking off and then like, he's still going, right? And maybe the web telescope's actually going to get pictures of him going, I'm almost there, dad, okay? Where is up? Where is heaven? Now the gospels, they proclaim to us very clearly that there is a bodily resurrection of Jesus. The body that went in the tomb is the body that came out of the tomb. Ergo, empty tomb. What is the, the, there's a lot of tension in this glorified body because Jesus eats. We read it in today's readings. While he was eating with them. Not while he was pretending to eat with them, because in his resurrected body he doesn't need to. But the Gospel of Luke deliberately says, I have flesh and bone. So they, he even said, I've got bone. They can't even see inside that. He's carrying bodily wounds. And yet, at the same time, he can hide himself from them. He can appear in locked rooms. He can... Go up. So the tension isn't resolved in the Gospels. They just, it's a, that's a very Hebraic Jewish tradition. Just leave the tension. And so now we've got, uh, you can almost imagine you know, what the Marvel and the DC and the superhero movies talk about, the multiverse, the realms within realms. The Hebrew Bible sort of kind of has this mystery that there's this unseen realm, the principalities and the powers, but they're there. And every now and again, they can interact. So when you have uh, Gideon threshing his floor in the book of Judges, 
And then it says that an angel uh, appeared. The Hebrew word for to, to show himself is actually reflexive. A reflexive verb is something that is being done to him. It's passive. So he was there. He was watching Gideon. But he couldn't interact until someone came along and said, now you can talk to him. And now you can't. They're close. Jacob, when he's having his dream, he sees a ladder. There are places on the planet that are even really, really close. And he sees a ladder with angels ascending and descending. Now, read that very carefully. If angels are ascending and then descending, where do they start from? They start from here. And we think, okay, well, they're, well, aren't they supposed to be sitting in heaven? They've got a job to do. And part of their jobs might be in this realm too. I mean, let's always ask the question, where was God before he made heaven? It's not that God made heaven and then said, oh, thank God, now I've got somewhere to sit down. I really should have done this before. Okay? What's the very first thing that God does after making heaven? He leaves it. And he goes and, 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 and tends in the garden with Adam. In the cool of the evening, Adam, tell me about your day. I mean, I already know what you're going to say because I'm God. But I really like the sound of your voice. What did you call that animal over there? I already know, but tell me again because it's really weird. And so they're, they're close in some way. But when we look into the scriptures and they give little hints, they also give a lot more questions. Because remember the Bible, particularly the Hebrew scriptures, they love mystery. And we read in our Daniel passage that Daniel looks into heaven and he sees thrones. And then there's a whole lot after that. But uh, most, most rabbis and rabbinical students get stuck on that very first sentence. Because there's something wrong. I looked into the heaven and I saw thrones. What's the problem with that? How many thrones are supposed to be in heaven? One. And who's sitting on it? God. Right? So who's this other chair for? Right? He looks into heavens and he sees two. It's like, I'm struck with a mystery. I, I, or straight away, something's there that shouldn't be there. But it is there. And the Ancient of Days comes and takes his seat. And there's fire. And there's books. Which is another interesting question. Why do we need to write anything down? Have angels got bad memories? But we look at, when, when Jewish people think about heaven... And they talk about it, it looks remarkably like Earth. What do I mean by that? Well, it's got gravity. It'd be very difficult for someone to sit on anything. I saw the Ancient of Days floating off into the distance. Okay? Um, you know, or the, the angels are walking around with magnetic boots. No, none of that was there. Fire. If you have fire, what do you have to have? Oxygen. Which actually makes perfect sense because uh, Elijah was assumed into heaven as a human. Could you imagine if there wasn't oxygen in heaven? The angels welcome Elijah, then they go, oh, this is not working out for him. Hey, Jesus, the guy's turning blue. I don't think this is a really good idea. 
how can you speak if there's no oxygen? There's plants in heaven. Go into Revelation and people are waving palm branches. You didn't have to bring them before you got there, okay? Could you imagine that? You get to, the, get to heaven. Did you bring your palm branch? No. Go back. It's going to look weird for mum. I know. There's a horse in heaven. And I really hope there's lots of them. The, right, the, 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 the white, white horse that comes. If he's the only animal in heaven, then he is really hoping for judgment day. So that he can come down here and be with some other animals that look just like him. So heaven, it's like earth. It's made by the same guy. And it might even have the same properties. It's a mystery. But there were two thrones in heaven. So someone's got to be sitting on that other one. Enter, son of man. And Ben Adam in Hebrew literally means human. Son, it means human being. What is a human doing in heaven, I hear you ask? Well, Jesus didn't call himself uh, the son of God much on the planet. And he doesn't call himself the Alpha and Omega until Revelation. But he does use the word the son of man a lot. Because he's identifying himself with this character. Who enters in, takes his throne, and then everybody worships him. A dominion is given to him. Authority and power is given to him. And what's he going to do with his authority and his power? Well, he's just spent lots of time telling us and telling his disciples, this is the type of king that I am. This is the type of, of king I want you to go out and share. So he spends 40 more days on the planet talking about it. Have you noticed that? 40 more days. So he doesn't just rise from the dead, show up and say, wow, look at that. That hurt. <laughs> Not going to do that again. See ya. Good luck. I'll be back. Might be a couple of thousand years your time. 40 more days, the Lord of the universe stays teaching. Something was so important to Jesus that he kept teaching it. And he kept teaching about the kingdom of God. He kept talking about this is what it's like to live when I'm king of your life. And then he says, uh, you, need to, you need to wait. Now, why wait 10 days? I, I don't know. I've, I've thought about it. I've discussed it with some of my brothers and sisters. I've, I've you know, talked to St. Google and uh, St. Wikipedia, patron saints of misinformation. And they can't tell me. Is it got something to do with the 10 days of war? Maybe. Is it to do with the 10 commandments? I'm not sure. But, he, but there was a 10-day period where the disciples had to wait in expectation for something called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, interestingly enough, they already had the Holy Spirit. When did they get that? I hear you ask. You guys ask a lot of questions. John chapter 20. Jesus rises from the dead, does his, one of his mysterious appearances into a locked room. And then he says, receive the Holy Spirit, not receive the Holy Spirit in 50 days. So one would assume then that they have received the Holy Spirit, would they not? 
Now, this is where you've got to put your Jewish hats on. Okay, the kippers. If someone said a baptism, what, were you, what would you think? What jumps into your mind in, in a Hebraic mind? Jewish disciple. Mikveh, fantastic. And you go into the mikveh. You do that by yourself, by the way. Right? You uh, take all your clothes off. I'm not suggesting anyone does that right now. Okay. Take, you go take all your clothes off. You go into the water. It covers you head to toe. And it's living water. Water has to be flowing in one end of the, of the tank and out the other. And the, the sages will say that when you come up out of the mikveh, it is as if your skin is the skin of a newborn because you have been born again. Right, so yeah, but how many times do you get baptized? Every day. Right? In Jewish tradition, you, get, you can have a baptism every day. So you get baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit how many times? Every day. And so suddenly you realize when you go through the book of Acts, it'll say, we chose uh, Stephen to be a deacon so that the apostles could go about and do their, their job. He was a man full of the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 7, when he's being stoned, then, then Stephen, now full of the Holy Spirit, looks into heaven. So they were very close all of a sudden. And, uh, and so how, who wants to get filled with the Spirit every day? I do. Every day you want to get refreshed and overwhelmed and full, filled up to do what, I hear you ask. And, uh, and that is, the, uh, is actually the message of, of Ascension Day. Because what do we see our disciples doing? Well, one, they're really still, after all this time with Jesus, even after the resurrection and having more time with him talking about the kingdom of God, they still ask him, so when are you restoring the kingdom to Israel? Their messianic expectations still had in their mind the overthrow of the Romans, just like the Maccabees had overthrown the Greeks, that we would you know, end the occupation, and then we would go out and you know, become great little good Christian farmers, and well, it's all fantastic. But, that, but Jesus doesn't say that's a wrong. <laughs> he just says, it's just not for you to know right now. You guys have another task. And I'm really glad that, uh, that when Jesus berates his disciples, he doesn't sort of like... You know, write a report card and go, F, F, you guys are useless. Um, I'm going to go to China and get Chinese disciples because they will do everything I say. He still works with us fallen creatures even when we get it wrong. Again and again and again. He says, look, just get filled with the Holy Spirit and get on with it. And what else are they, do we see them doing? Well, we're looking into heaven. Looking up. I mean, obviously, he went up. How he then got into heaven from there, I don't know. You don't know. No one knows. Uh, where is he now? He's in heaven. How do I know that? You know that. He said that. Where is he? Very, very close. In Acts chapter 10, an angel appears to Cornelius while he's praying. And the angel says, Cornelius... We've been in, in heaven, we've heard your prayers, and we've seen your good deeds. They're watching. Now, doesn't that just freak you out sometimes? And then he talks. And what does the angel not do? The angel does not share the gospel. 
The angel says, there's a really important Jewish guy who's hanging out in Joppa. I think you should go and talk to him. And now if I was Cornelius, I would have said, uh, why don't you just tell me? I mean, you're here. <laughs> you have my undivided attention. Why is it that the angels don't share the gospel? It's our job. It's the mission that our master has given us. You will go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, until the ends of the earth you will go. Anyone here from, from New Zealand? According to, you are? <laughs> According to uh, how the crow flies, New Zealand is the furthest away from Jerusalem there is. Okay, and uh, who lives there? Hobbits, apparently. Um, but uh, that's, is, that's it. And the church got there, by the way. <laughs> We have believers in that sunny little land. So the, the disciples are looking up into heaven, and then all of a sudden it says the angels just appeared. The angels didn't come down, they appeared, because they were probably standing right next to them. And suddenly they were allowed to be seen, and they said, Men of Galilee, stop looking up and get on with it. And that's in something that's indicative of our church to this day. Some of us just can't stop looking up. Some of us are so addicted about the return of Jesus and end times that we'll do nothing else other than talk about that. Now, if you want to have a really good discussion about the end times, not a problem. I'm yours as long as it involves a, a, a bottle of wine around a dinner table. And we all agree that we don't know when Jesus is coming, except it's going to be on Wednesday at 2 o'clock <laughs> to avoid traffic because he's not stupid. And we don't know. But we should, we've got to be about the business of what, of what the Messiah has sent us. That's what Ascension Day is all about. He goes away, although actually not that far. And he sends the Spirit and he says, I'm always here. I'm never far away. And you're actually surrounded by angels that you can't even see. So don't be afraid. So get out there and tell everybody the good news. Tell everybody why you have hope. Tell everybody why things uh, in my kingdom act like this and we behave like this. And this is how we, we fight back the devil and heal the sick. And it's going to go all over the world. And my kingdom trumps everybody else's kingdom. And it cannot be stopped. You know, you know, notice this, Satan has, in the last 2,000 years, been unable to stop the gospel going around the world. So he's not that strong. Yes, the roaring lion around about, yes, you have to be careful. Yes, you have to prop each other up. And when we fall, and we will, then we need to confess. You know, James says, confess your sins one to another. Make sure that our relationships are right with each other, says Jesus. Don't come to the altar if you're not, not right with your brother yet. He finds us to be really, really important. And he gives us this incredible gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he sends us out. That's actually what the word mass means. Mass in Latin means to send. So what happens is we come and we gather. You have gathered because the Holy Spirit called you here. You answered that call. We've worshipped the Lord. We'll do a little bit more. We've heard his word read. 
Hopefully you've been encouraged, but you won't stay here. At the end of the service, there's a thing called the dismissal. And that's where the deacon comes along and he doesn't say, all right, show's over, you can go now. He says, our service to the Lord in this building ends. Our service to the Lord is about to begin outside. Are you ready? Have you been filled with the Spirit again? Are you encouraged? If you're still a little broken, then come and pray with the brothers. There will be people ready to pray with you off to the side, and they will be delighted to pray for anything and everything. Because we have a job to do. We cannot keep looking up. Our job is to be witnesses all over the world. So, that is the command to God's people. So what are you doing? I mean, I know you're sitting down right now. But what are you doing? Examine yourselves when we come to communion. And as we eat and drink and taste and see how good the Lord is, let's get encouraged to not sit and look up, but to go out in the power of the Spirit to love every single person that you meet with the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page, on SoundCloud, or by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. You can offer practical support by giving a donation at ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Thank you, and blessings from the City of the King.